Turn your Bibles tonight to uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. As you're doing that, uh, a couple other kind of things of business that we're, I want to cover. Uh, I've had uh, a couple of the young men come and talk to me about learning a language or what language to learn, and so I've been directing them somewhat over to pastor. Uh, I would highly recommend Baptist Bible Translator Institute. Just so happens there's some people in the church that have been through that, and just so happens somebody's actually taught over there, so you already have a foot in the door to be able to help learn another language. The, uh, uh, if you're not sure what, the, what country the Lord might work on you to just make a mission trip, not necessarily be there as a missionary for a long period of time, but make a mission trip, uh, one of the, things, the best things you can do is learn English good or learn good English, what, however you want to say that. English is the door to get into several countries of opportunity. Uh, it's been brought up here a couple of times. I believe uh, Brother What's-His-Name, that was one of the things that... Uh, What's-His-Name, we just listened to uh, today. Yes, he was, he was connected with uh, some classes of teaching in English. Anyway, that is a golden opportunity to be able to get into what, as he mentioned, I hate to call it closed countries, but that's one of the easiest ways to get in. So if you know English and you have take, take a, a course, uh, generally it's only two semesters, but uh, English as a second language is very helpful uh, to begin to prepare you to be able to do that. Uh, I would highly recommend that. Uh, Along that line, uh, if we were to have everybody turn in Mark chapter 4, this is what they have in 3,000 and over 800 languages. Not one book, not one chapter, not one verse. Somebody is going to have to go and translate it. Somebody's going to have to go in, learn their language, as we heard, uh, as we heard the other night. Turned out in the country that uh, brother so and so was in, in Russian was his trade language that he had to learn to be able to learn the the national language that they're translating. So English will only take you so far. Three thousand. 800 tribes with absolutely nothing. So to show up and say, well, this is what the Bible says. Matter of fact, I, I read the story of a, a missionary that was working with an Indian tribe uh, down in, in, uh, in the Amazon basin. And the church went well for about four years, and then the missionary and his family had to leave to come back to the States for six months. And when they came back, there were... People were just lined up waiting for him and said, you need to talk to the guy that you left in charge. He, he's part of our tribe and everything like that. But he's been teaching things that we don't think are right. And so the missionary had to go talk to him and says, well, what have you been telling him? And, and he let him know, this is what I've been teaching. He says, where in the world did you get that that you came up with? And he says, Pastor, we don't have a Bible. We don't have a New Testament. They didn't have, even at that time, they didn't have a radio ministry going into the tribe. He says, how are we supposed to know what to teach 
or what the Lord wants us if we don't have any scripture in our language. So seriously consider putting that on a, let's, let's check into that just a little bit farther. Uh, the greatest missionary that I know is the Bible in the language of the people. It never takes a furlough, and it's never considered a foreigner. No matter how long somebody's in country, they are always a foreigner. The Bible is not that way at all. Mark chapter 4, let's all stand. We'll just start, uh, start reading a, a few verses here. Very familiar passages of scripture. One of my, one of my favorites. I'm, when I get someplace, I'm able to work my testimony in uh, through these verses and everything. Uh, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. And he taught them many things by parables and said uh, unto them in, the, in his doctrine, hearken. In other words, listen up, pay attention. I, I, I'm going to specifically talk to, he's not just talking to the group, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Hearken, hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Father, I ask in these next few moments that we're gathered here to uh, finish up the last message for the missions conference, Lord, that you will, again, that you will bring forth fruit and fruit that remains because of the missions conference, the missionaries that have been here, the missionaries that were interviewed uh, over the internet, Lord, that uh, fruit will abound, fruit will, bring, will be brought forth in the lives not just of the young people, but as pastor said, and some of those that were sitting in the pew while the young people in the chairs while the young people were singing. Lord, would you do a, continue to do a work here in Mount Zion Baptist Church. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Just to throw out one other thought uh, before we look at these verses. Uh, one of the couples that I met my fourth or fifth trip into Bulgaria was a couple that I don't remember what he had done for a living but they had had been able to retire early at the age of 63 and they were sitting there looking at each other and saying what what is it that we what is it we want to do do we want to travel across the United States do we want to make a couple of trips over to Europe uh, what is it the, 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 you think the Lord would have us? And they started praying, and God landed them in Sofia, Bulgaria, that as the, uh, as, as the Muslims were coming out during the war that was in there, uh, they ended up picking up a ministry, actually starting the ministry of going down to the refugee camps and trying to minister to the Muslims that had come out just fleeing for their life. And uh, they, they learned uh, a little bit of Bulgarian, but they invested some time in learning to be able to speak some Iraqi and, and some uh, Iranian language. And uh, we were invited to go over there for a service one evening, 
And it had been a real busy week. We're trying to put together everything, getting ready for a campaign. And then they said, oh, yeah, by the way, would you be interested in going over to a, a Bible study that's going on uh, on Thursday night? It doesn't start until 8 o'clock, and it probably won't get done to 11. And to be quite honest, my response was to myself, this is about the last thing I want to do. We put in some very long days and some very light, late nights. Uh, really, I want to go to a Bible study that I don't understand the language. And uh, I didn't have a bad attitude. I just didn't have a good attitude. I wasn't really open to it. Well, we got over there, and uh, the missionary that we were with, he, he translated for the, the missionary, the, the, this 65-year-old. He was, at that time, he was 65-year-old uh, man that had gone over, and he and his wife had given their life their retirement years, to go over and work with these uh, Muslims that had uh, fled for their life to be able to get at least to Bulgaria and then hopefully to someplace else. It was interesting. The message was, and I don't remember what, it wasn't anything that really stood out, but at the end of the Bible study, they started singing in Persian. I'd I, I thought Persian was a dead language. And they started singing, and they sang... Uh, uh, they probably sang 10 or 12 songs with the joy of the Lord in their heart. And I didn't know, understand all of what they were singing of the, uh, of the 12 songs that they sang. I think I recognized three, but I thought these are some of what could be God's people. And so I began to, after we were done, there was a little time of refreshments, and I started getting testimonies of people, uh, of the men that were there. There was no women. It was all, it was all men that were, had come to this Bible study. There was 17 or 18 of them, and I began to, through the translator, ask them, so how did you end up here, and what, what was your story? Every one of them had just this absolute horrendous story the most of them had gotten saved before they left country, and that was part of the reason why they were in Bulgaria. The rest of them had all been saved over the refugee camp or coming to the Bible study, and they were now in the process of using the Internet to reach their family and their friends back in Iran and Iraq. Wow, what, a, what an opportunity. So sometimes we adults, we think, well, here's the future of the church. Here's the future of, uh, of missions laying right here. No, it might be us. It might be us. Uh, not necessarily for two or three or four or five years or ten years or something like that, but there's no reason some of us can't make a mission trip just to go over and say, we've got the summer. We've got the summer. What, what, what would you like us to do? Something for you to consider. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And some fell by the wayside, and some fell on stony ground, and some fell among thorns, and other fell on good ground and brought forth fruit on different levels, 30, 60, and 100-fold. Number one, are you a 30-fold Christian, a 60-fold Christian, or a 100-fold Christian? Well, wait a minute. We're, we're not talking about me. We're not talking about a, We're talking about this guy who's sowing seed. Well, when, you, when we get saved, we're uh, very fruitless. But as we get saved and as we grow, we should be desiring and wanting to grow where we're a 30-fold Christian. And then we keep growing and, and getting to know more and more about the Bible and more and more about God and more and more what he expects. And we can reach that 60-fold. I don't know if anybody ever reaches a hundredfold, but it ought to be a goal that we strive towards, Lord. I'll never, I'll never make perfection, but I at least want to be a very profitable servant where I'm bringing forth fruit 
that can be added to your account because of what he has, has uh, done for us. We know that the seed is good, verse 14. Oh, we'll read 13 and 14. And he said to them, Know ye not this parable? How then will ye know all parables? The sower sowed the word, and these by the wayside were they where the word was sown, but when they had heard Satan uh, cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown there in their hearts. So he says, the seed we know is good. What I'm actually talking about, a parable is a, is a spiritual truth kind of wrapped in a little bit of a story. He said, the seed is the word of God. So we know that that's good. It's the ground. It's the ground. Some is going to be good ground. Some of it's going to be fallow ground. Some of it's going to be ground that just needs to be worked up and everything. So, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, because of my background, having my grandparents come from Germany, and Grandpa, uh, Grandpa farmed with a team of horses up until I was 16 years old. And the reason I remember that is when I turned 16, I got my driver's license and Grandpa got a tractor. And so it was always, uh, it, it was always an interest. Thank you, Lord, for finally getting Grandpa some real mechanical equipment. Little did I know that the Lord would use that when we started to travel over in Eastern Europe because they were shocked that an American was familiar with farming with horses. Now, over in Eastern Europe, they will use oxen a lot, uh, a, a lot of times. They will even mix them, <laughs> an ox with a, with a mule or something like that, which the Bible talks about that. But they were shocked that I would actually know how, uh, how to farm with something like that, how to use the equipment and everything. But it opened the door for me to be able to talk to a multitude of people, especially out in, in the villages. That had kind of fallen by the wayside because we started doing the bigger campaigns into the city. And so I didn't really have an opportunity to use that in any way. So we're over in, uh, we're over in the Ukraine on our last trip just uh, three years ago before the war broke out and COVID hit and all that stuff. And uh, we said, we've got a family out of our church that is, they're missionaries over in the country of Belarus in the city of Minsk, the capital city. And uh, they got in there. They've been in, they were able to be there for uh, 19 years teaching English as a second language. And so uh, let's go see Jeff and Helen. We're right here. We can get a plane ticket, fly up there for, uh, for about $50. So we went up to uh, visit them. So it was very interesting to see what was going on. Uh, very difficult to be able to start a church. So what they did is they started inviting people to come to their house for a meal. And so they started doing it on every Friday night. So their students, they, they couldn't preach to the students, so to speak, in the class. You're not going to take a King James Bible and teach them English. Let me just put it that way. So they had regular lessons that they had to teach, but it gave them an opportunity to interact with the young people. Uh, I, I say young people. They had everything from uh, everybody from the high school age on up to uh, had a chance to go to several classes. I met doctors. I met lawyers. I met uh, professional people of all kinds and sorts. I, I met people who had an interest in aviation. They all wanted to learn English because English is a world trade language. Therefore, I can get a better job and a better education because I know English, so I'm multilingual. And so most of them were at least the age of 25 on up learning to better themselves, to have a better opportunity to go into whatever avenue of business that they were in. 
And uh, so I ha- it was rather interesting in there. And I told Jeff, I says, well, uh, if you can't teach, quote unquote, the King James Bible is as English. And he just laughed at me. He says, oh, that was what everybody talked about when we first come over there. But no, the government observes what goes on. And uh, you, you have to teach real English. And they had regular textbooks and everything like that. He says, matter of fact, though, uh, he says, we do have an opportunity to teach them some Bible. I would like, would you be interested in coming with me to go over uh, a couple of days of the week and preaching or or teaching uh, the classes as they come in? Uh, He says it is, uh, (laughs) it's illegal, but it's not criminal. I said, what? He says it's illegal what you're going to do, but it's not criminal. I said, I don't don't understand. What, what What are you saying? He says it's illegal for an American to come in and to talk to people about the Bible. Matter of fact, in Belarus, when we were there, if we were to sit in a restaurant we would and sit around the table, we would have to ask the tables that are within earshot, uh, excuse me, we're going to talk about God and the Bible. Is that okay with you? And they have the right to object. And so, I mean, it's, it's that, it was that tight Again, I'm not going to say it was closed, but it was tight. But there's, there's way to, ways to do that. He says it's illegal for an American to come in and teach from the Bible uh, to anybody unless they have special permission. I said, do I have special permission? He says, well, no, you're just visiting here. He says, I didn't think about it. We didn't do the paperwork ahead of time for you to do it. But, so it's illegal, but they're not going to arrest you and put you in jail. Well, well good news. This is my lucky day. So I thought, what am I going to teach that I can get their attention? I mean, what do I have in common with with a a bunch of students aging from about 18 to 45 that I can bring out to them from the Bible to be able to bring out the gospel? And I uh, I remembered this passage of scripture here. Like I said, I... I can use it as an evangelistic tool in that I fall into every one of these categories of the, the seed being sown on the hard ground and the stony ground and, and the, amongst the thorns and then getting to the good ground. I can work my testimony in there. The catch is, we read the verse, look here at verse 14 again. The sower soweth the word. And these are, <clears throat> these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay, we all understand what that's talking about because we've all been in church for a while. But uh, I thought, how, do I say that? Uh, as soon as I stand in front of them and give them, start giving them the parable, and I say, you know, and Satan's the one that steals the word. I just, I've just lost everybody. All the ground that I did, groundwork that I laid, it's gone because this guy's crazy that he thinks Satan comes along and steals, steals words that come out of people's mouth. So I thought, how in the world do I get past this? And I said, so as I thought about it, I said, why would the man, the farmer, take, and from the time he leaves his house, he starts sowing the seed. And he's scattering it up. We would all, we would all wait till we get to the field. We don't want to waste the seed. 
is valuable. Uh, we're, we're hoping for a crop that's going to feed us, and maybe if we have extra crop, we can, we can sell some of it to be able to provide some finance. But why would he be sowing along, and some of it falls basically in the road where it's all hard, and uh, some of it in the ditch, and some of it on the thorns, and then he finally starts sowing it into the good field. I said, how many in here you have, you like birds? Virtually everybody puts their hand up. I said, how many you have or your parents have or somebody you know has a bird feeder? I was shocked. About three-quarters of the people raised their hand that were in the first class that I had. And I said, uh, because you like birds, I said, who fills the bird feeder? Well, there was a bunch of little talk going on back there. I said, I think the farmer liked birds. And so I told them about, I, I take our youngest granddaughter, and she'll wrap her hand around my finger and my hand over hers, and we will go out in the yard and we'll look at all the birds that are there, particularly in the spring or now in the fall as they're all heading south. And I will point out the different birds and how they're all different colors and how that uh, they have different songs. And there's no way that that could just happen by accident or, uh, you know, just by just changes in over millions and millions of years. I said, God did that. And then while we're out there looking at the birds, we'll go over to the apple tree, and if there's flowers on it, we'll, we'll look at the flowers and we'll smell. Every flower has a different smell to it, whether it be the lilac bush or the apple uh, or the flowers that Nana's got growing over here in her flower garden. And everything. They all, they're all different. They don't look the same. They all have different smells. And I said, that didn't come about by millions and millions of years. And what I was doing was laying groundwork. <laughs> and when I started down that millions and millions of years, I realized I touched a nerve. And as soon as I started going down that way, and said, some people... Just, they, they just don't want to believe God, that God could do all this, uh, that they believe that there was this little amoeba thing that was living in the water, and then it, then it stuck its head up, and after millions and millions of years, it was able to breathe oxygen, and then it crawled out of the water, and after millions and millions of years, it got legs, and uh, after millions and millions more legs, uh, more years go by, it gets some arms or something that comes out, though it maybe was fins or whatever, I don't know. And then more millions and millions of years, and the thing learns to stand upright, upright. And as I'm going down this road, I look right over here, right where you two are sitting, and there was two teachers sitting there that were so mad about my millions and millions of years. You ever heard the expression, if looks could kill, you'd be dead? Boy, they were mad. But they couldn't get up and walk out because it's part of a required class that they have to come to. So I pressed on it just a little bit more of millions and millions of years. And it was rather interesting, the second class that I had doing this millions and millions of years they started chuckling. They started snickering. They started getting the picture of, yeah, if I stop and think about this, millions and millions and millions of years, for all these things to happen, that really doesn't make any sense. But the two teachers were not happy. I only had one in my, in my second class that I taught that was very upset that came to speak to me right after the class was over with. So I was talking to Jeff, and I was talking to, uh, uh, to Pastor Yvonne, who translated for me, and I said, uh, why am I allowed to be able to do this? And they said, well, because the, 
because the, the school, the classes, English classes, are held here at, at the uh, First Baptist Church, uh, what we do is in January and in July, the first week of each of those months, what we do is we open it up to anybody who would like to come and learn English that they come to class Monday through Friday. We have, a, we have a class in the morning from 9 until noon, and then we have another class that is from 6 until 9 at night. And so anybody who wants to come to that for one week, he said it's kind of like, uh, how would you explain it? It's kind of like vacation Bible school for adults. Oh, okay, so what do you do? Well, we, we teach them some songs. He says some of them are songs you would listen to on the, on the radio back in the old days, but he says we teach them some hymns. Uh, he said most of them have never gone to church for any length of time other than to go to the Orthodox Church to get baptized or to take their baby to get baptized or to go to somebody's wedding. But as he said most of the people do not go to church on any regular basis but they recognize a couple of the songs that we teach them. And then every day we have a lesson that we, I have a friend that I would like to tell you about. So they kind of drag this friend out that by the time you get there on Thursday, they explain that that friend is Jesus Christ who they've been talking about all this time. Then Friday they draw the net at the very end of it. And after they've given a clear presentation of the gospel, they will give an invitation and say, is there anybody here that would like to know more about God or know how to have their sins forgiven? Please meet us after class over here in the room across the hall. At that point, then they pass out papers to everybody, and there's questions on there. And, uh, you know, have you been in English class before? Uh, what classes have you taken? Have you come to school here uh, to take English classes? And so there's a, how old are you? What is your background? What, uh, what are you interested? Why are you wanting to take All these, uh, about 20 questions that they have to fill out. But at the very bottom, they said, for this week you have been coming and you've been singing Christian hymns and you've been learning about who God is and who Jesus Christ is. Are you interested in, one, knowing more about God? Put a check mark there. Are you interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ? Put a check mark there. Well, th these classes have been going on for 18 years. So everybody knows when you come to First Baptist Church to take English classes, which there are three different levels of English classes there to take, that you have to fill out this application. Well, then they collect all the applications. They will have as many as 300 people that will show up uh, for the, in, in January and, and, and that many at least in July. They said it's not uncommon to have 400 or 50 more, but we only have classroom for 200 students at a time. So how do I get picked to be able to have the privilege of coming to the class that they don't pay for. You know who pays for the class? The teachers. Jeff and Helen Christian are, pay, uh, are paying $1,500 every semester for the privilege of being able to teach English in Minsk, Belarus, and be able to have a visa to be able to stay there and, and, and teach. The students don't even pay for their own books. The uh, church covers that for them. 
And so they fill out the papers. So because this has been going on for so many years, everybody knows the game. If I put a check mark on, I want to know more about God, and I want to know more about the Bible, your paper your, that you filled out is going to go on the top of the stack of that three to 400 people that showed up because they want the opportunity to learn English. Well, because they did that, they get to go to the special class where they learn more about the Bible. That's why it was illegal for me to teach, but it's not criminal. They're not going to come in and arrest me. And so it was very interesting. One of the things that we're working on right now is a bilingual Russian New Testament so that they can follow along in English, because that's what they're taking, and follow along in Belarusian, because that's, that's what their native language is. But how do you get to the place where you talk about that, the, uh, that Satan is the one that stealeth away the seed? I skipped over that part. <laughs> I, I just ignored it. We just, I just went on and talked a, a little bit about the, about the good ground and, the, and everything there. Where there's a will, there's a way. If you have a desire to make a mission trip, if you have a desire to be involved, whether it be Vacation Bible School here or uh, some uh, quote-unquote activity that the church has got going on, you'll figure out a way to invite somebody else. You, you'll figure out a way to be involved, whether it be as a young person coming or whether it be as a, okay, I'll just be a crowd controller or whatever. Everybody does not have to be a preacher or a preacherette or whatever you want to call uh, uh, your, your wives, you ladies. But when you decide to take that next step of, I'd like to go someplace outside the United States just to see what's going on. Sometimes you don't even have to go outside the United States. There are several missionaries that work with Indian tribes right here in the United States where there's opportunities to go down and spend a couple of weeks or a month to be able to become an assistant. It's just a matter of, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and say, let's give it a try. Let's see what it's like. You never know the opportunities the Lord is going to open up for you to be able to have an influence in people's lives. One of the things, and I, I have to kind of chuckle, one of the things that has come about somewhat accidentally with me coming over here is uh, the young men over here, on the, uh, some of them on the front row, have known me from before. They know that Brother Ingalls almost always wears a vest, right? So, what did we start wearing to church this week? A vest. They not only wear a vest, we've got a tie, which I'm sure that they dress up anyway, but they wanted to wear a vest because Brother Ingalls wears one, and some of us even have real cowboy boots on, and so they wore their cowboy boots. It's a matter of just taking time to be friendly. It's just a matter of giving a little bit of attention to somebody, whether it be somebody young or somebody your age. Tell me about yourself. Uh, are you from the area? Have you lived here long? Uh, what did you do for a living uh, before you came over here? You know, how did you put food on the table? It's, are you actually interested in people? Or, well, that's, that's, that's pastor. I don't know how to witness to somebody. 
tell them what happened to you. Give them your testimony. Just, just uh, keep it shorter than my messages, but you know, give, them a, give them a testimony. Can you give your testimony in, in about three or four minutes of how God worked in your life and got you to the place where you realized you needed to be saved? And then you could tell them about that. It's just an, an honest, do I really care about people or do I just sing about it in church? Do I just kind of talk about it? God will open up doors of opportunity that you never realized were there just because you stepped out of your comfort zone a little bit. Some of you are natural talkers. I've met you in the back. <laughs> but that's not me. I've had to learn to communicate with people. I've had to learn to ask questions. I've had to take a genuine interest in people so that not necessarily that I can have an influence, but to let them know, look, I, I notice you're here. Uh, tell me about yourself or whatever. You know, never know what's going to happen. And it's the same thing when you go to a mission field, uh, whether it's with the children or a bunch of adults or whatever, God will open up opportunities that when you get done at the end of two weeks, there is tears when you're getting ready to go on the plane. There is not only your tears about leaving them. I, I made some friends while I was here. There's tears on their part because they made some friends also. The importance of the Word of God. The greatest missionary is the Bible in their language. It never takes a furlough and is never considered a foreigner. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Well, it turned to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, a very familiar passage of scripture. I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses. Acts chapter 8, it's the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, Philip meets up with him out in the middle of the desert. And uh, verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 30, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand thou what thou readest? So he's got a portion of the scripture. And he said, the, the eunuch, and he said, How can I except some man should guide me. Now, people can get saved by reading a tract. People can get saved by reading a John Rome. People can get saved by uh, reading the New Testament and things like that. But that's the case of most people. How can I understand this unless some man guide me? Which is one of the reasons why we put Bible studies in the, in the, uh, now in the front of the uh, John Romans that we're doing. In uh, most of them, and I, wouldn't you know, I grabbed one that didn't. The Bible studies in the back. We discovered that people will open it up and they'll start reading in John chapter 1, verse 1, and they will sit there and read for a while and not even realize that there's a Bible study in the back that will walk them through uh, the Romans road and death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why we, we use the John Romans with an invitation to come to the preaching service that's going to be held at the end of two weeks to give them a portion, to give them an opportunity for them to know who Jesus really is and why it is that he came. And so we have, uh, you know, understand this what thou readest, how can I except some man should guide me? Well, if you don't speak Polish, how are you going to guide them? You use the John Romans that has the questions in it. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollyana, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went, into, went in unto them three Sabbath days, reasoned with them 
out of the scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas of the devout Greeks, uh, a, a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. Look down here at uh, verse 11. These were more noble in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Verse 15. And they conducted Paul and brought him unto Athens, uh, receiving a, a com- and receiving a commandment unto si- Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. They said that there was as many as 3,000 idols in the city of Athens. Therefore disputed, uh, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons, and in the marketplace with them that met with him. And certain philosophers of the Epicureans and Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? And some, he seemed to be a center forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 21. For all the Athenians and the strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Turn over to uh, turn over the page, I think it is for me anyway, uh, to verse 30. And the times that he's, got, he's explaining to them uh, that I saw, the, I saw the, uh, the place for the unknown God. So he starts explaining who this unknown God is, verse 30. And the times of this ignorant God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath pointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, we will hear thee again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believe. That's the response you're going to have no matter what country that you go to. Some are going to respond. Some are going to say, I want to learn more. Some of them will say, I'd like to come to a Bible study. And some of them are just going to mock. Pick a country. The, the, the mockers are out there. When we first began to travel over into Romania, for every one John Romans, an invitation we passed out, uh, we'd get a visitor. Today, it's for every 200 people that we handed John Romans to and invite out. In Bulgaria, it started out for every 300, one person would come. We're up to every 500 now. We have to give a John Romans an invitation and invite them out for the preaching service. Our last, uh, last couple of meetings have been in real Europe. Germany, Swiss, uh, Switzerland, Austria, and Croatia for every 1,000. John Romans with an invitation. One person comes. When you're having a big day, if you haven't talked to at least 300, don't don't call me. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong. You're talking to the wrong person. Just 
You just have to keep at it. You just have to keep at it. There's always going to be mockers. There's always going to be fun uh, people that, that are not in there. There's always going to be anywhere from we just plowed the ground or we just sowed the ground or some, there was a little bit of fruit. Somebody, somebody actually showed up to 30-fold, eventually gets into a 40-fold, 50-fold, and continues to go on up from there. But don't get discouraged just because you're not seeing multitudes of people. Somebody you've invited and talked to for uh, several different times, there's a different response in every country and in every city. What I'd like to do now is we're going to take and show a video of, that actually help you visualize what the, uh, what the Courier's campaign looks like. And uh, anyway, so you're trying to hand one to everybody. Grandma makes this big circle, but she's curious. What are these people taking? So she'll come by just to take a look. Well, when you hold it out, they can read it in their language, what it is that we're, we're uh, handing, the, uh, handing to them. But if she doesn't really want it, she'll have a, have a couple of bags in each hand, and she'll go, eh. well, that's pretty much the same in any language. I will stick it in Grandma's bag. My goal, my desire is to give everyone that passes me an opportunity to receive a scripture. So when Grandma goes, eh, you're going to get it anyway, Grandma. Uh, thank you for coming back through here to be able to give it to you. The smile is the same in any language. The nyet or the mm-mm-mm-mm. That's the same in any language, too, where you go. Well, you, again, you don't need to be fluent in the language. If you can do, some people will take it. Not everybody will take it, but some people will take it, and you'll have an opportunity of sowing the seed of the Word of God. Whether they ever show up for the meeting or not, they now have it in their home to be able to read at their leisure when they're curious, when tragedy strikes, when they're in a situation they're not sure what to do, or I wonder what that really does say about God. They'll take and open it up, and we've had it happen with several missionaries we were with. Six months, a year, a year and a half later, they will say, I received one of those gospel booklets out on the street a year and a half later, and Pastor, I've got some questions or I've got a situation, would you come to my house and speak to me about the Lord? We don't see a great multitude, a great harvest uh, every time that we're, we're over there, but God will do the work. Our job is just to give them an opportunity. The greatest missionary is the Bible in their language. It never needs a furlough and is never considered a foreigner but somebody has to give it to him. And as long as I have the health, it's going to be me, one of them, that's going to give them the opportunity. How about you? Would you consider making a mission trip, starting from here, going maybe to an Indian reservation or up to Canada, up to Alaska? There's several opportunities with the nationals up in Alaska. Or talk to pastors. Say, Pastor, do you know of any mission trips. or Pastor, would it be possible to us, for us to have a small group from our church to go someplace? Just a little bit more. Give them. Give them an opportunity. <laughs>